Hello, everyone. This is Rachel Tageberg, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Vet Med Mind. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, Dr. Gary Richter, a renowned veterinarian and medical director of Holistic Veterinary Care. You might know him as the international best-selling author of The Ultimate Pet Health Guide and soon-to-be-released Longevity for Dogs and Longevity for Cats. He's also the mastermind behind Ultimate Pet Nutrition. Now, Dr. Richter and I spoke at length about his interest and passion for holistic and regenerative medicine. And really, we spoke about the importance of that holistic approach and how it really complements conventional treatment methods for pets. Ultimately, his goal is to help patients live longer, healthier lives. And we talk a lot about the ways that general practitioners can do that and how he's integrated that kind of medicine into his practice. So I know you're going to love this episode. And if you listen all the way to the end, Dr. Richter has a special gift for you. So be sure to have a listen. And I know you're going to enjoy this episode of the Vet Med Mind. Dr. Richter, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited to talk to you about all things longevity and pet health. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And so you had an incredible career in veterinary medicine, uh, working obviously as a doctor in practice. You also have certifications in acupuncture and chiropractic. And I really wanted to just get started talking initially about holistic and regenerative, regenerative medicine. And I'm curious about where that interest started for you. Where where did you hear about this and start this journey? You know, it's really a combination of things. I mean, what really kind of got me down that road is, um, I mean, just professionally speaking, I'm always looking for what else is out there that I can use to help my patients. Um, And that was what a long time ago got me sort of down the path of um, alternative and holistic medicine and integrative medicine, because I was just looking for things that they didn't teach me in vet school that I might be able to use. And, and, you know, as time went on, um, you learn more and more. And I've become very interested in, in sort of the, the field of uh, regenerative medicine and longevity science uh, for people as well as animals. And uh, it's been really interesting to be able to apply a lot of the things that are being utilized for people now uh, on the animal side. Uh, and it's really not being done that much, but uh, we're seeing some very, very promising results. Yeah. Can you tell me more about the kind of things that you're starting now in more recent years to dabble in? Sure. So, uh, you know, what we're dealing with and what we're working on is is will range anywhere from sort of looking at things differently from the diagnostic side. So, for example, looking to find out what genetic predispositions a particular patient may have. So, you know, for example, if if they have genes that make them susceptible to heart disease, that's something that we can sort of plan for and look out for and and try and at least delay the onset of whether that's heart disease, kidney disease, back problems, what have you, knowing that there may be some predisposition to something helps you prepare for the future. Uh, You know, and on the on the more treatment side of things, uh, you know, we're looking at monitoring and maintaining appropriate vitamin and mineral levels. Uh, We're looking at omega fatty acid levels. Uh, We're starting to look at things like peptide therapy, very specific uh, supplements and medications that address the hallmarks of aging. So really, really therapeutics that are designed to maintain and prolong health for as long as possible. 
Yeah. And I'm sure all of your pet owners are on board with having their pets live longer, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants their pet to be with them as long as possible. <laughs> totally. And so as a, let's say a puppy owner or a kitten owner comes into your practice for their first visit, what does that look like in your practice where you are from the get-go thinking about this pet's entire lifespan rather than maybe just what they need to get through that first visit, you know? Yeah. yeah you know, um, I think ideally speaking, the time to really start thinking about longevity is from the very beginning when when the patient is young and healthy uh, it's always going to be easier to maintain health than it is going to be to try and fix a problem later so anything that we can do to to sort of keep these guys healthy so i mean you know that starts with with very young guys figuring out what is an appropriate vaccine schedule what should they be eating uh you know i think nutrition is an enormous problem in medicine be it veterinary or human uh and the reality is is most doctors and veterinarians are not particularly well educated when it comes to how to optimize nutrition uh you know so so what these animals should be eating is a is a big question lifestyle uh, are they going to be, if it's a cat, are they going to be an indoor outdoor animal? If it's a dog, what is their, you know, what's an appropriate exercise level and lifestyle for them? Uh, and then, you know, we kind of move outwards from there. Um, what sort of supplements do they need? When should they be spayed or neutered? Uh, as I mentioned before, starting to look at some genetic testing when they're young. So we know what to plan for. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of proactive preventative things that you can do from day one to really help prevent problems from occurring. You just have to be in that mindset. Yeah. And throughout the patients and the pets lives, how do you typically use this integrative or holistic approach to complement your conventional medicine side? Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, integrative medicine is really the, the sort of the, the, the interweaving of Western medicine and, complementary and alternative care and and you know the 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 sort of the the mathematics that go on my head in in, in, in on any given day with any given patient is what is going to be the most effective treatment course or preventative course for this patient that is going to have the least potential side effects so you know is it is it is it herbs is it acupuncture is it hyperbaric oxygen is it surgery? Is it chemotherapy? It very much depends. I am not in any way anti-Western medicine. It's just a question of, is that the right choice at the right time? Uh, so really, that's that's really kind of what that what that looks like. And I think that's one of those places where, you know, sort of art meets science a little bit, uh, medically speaking, because you, you just really have to sit down and kind of consider how all of that stuff is going to weave together and what is going to be the best potential pathway for any given individual. Absolutely. And I know a lot of practices talk often about creating a very individualized patient care plan for sure. every pet that walks through the door. And it sounds like that holistic approach of looking at all of our options, whether it be from chiropractic, from, like you said, all those other things that you're integrating into your regular practice. Yeah. And so... There are some bits and pieces, I think, that, of course, over the years have become a little bit more mainstream. And what do you think about practices, you know, to to maybe move further into that holistic approach? Where do you feel like a gap is that maybe your typical general practitioner could start to bring into the practice more? 
Gosh, that's a great question. And and I think that there's a number of ways to answer it. Um, you know, if you if if we're gonna look at things through, you know, sort of like the Western medical, conventional medical model, to me, probably the the most sensible thing to do is start looking at some of these diagnostic tests. You know, so you know, I mean, veterinarians are very accustomed to running blood tests and other diagnostic tests. So why not start running tests looking at vitamin and mineral levels, omega fatty acid levels, genetic markers, um, because that gives you very objective and actionable information that as a clinician, you can take to help keep your patient healthy. So that's a really easy way to do it. And, and you know, I think I think another way to look at it is, is really the the lowest of low hanging fruit when it comes to holistic and natural medicine is nutrition. Uh, and just being able to give pet owners better information and more useful information beyond the get them a high quality kibble and put them on that for the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that I think we all intuitively know that at the end of the day, what you're eating is probably going to have the biggest impact on your health beyond anything else that you do. Um, but for some reason, we don't really think of it through that lens with with animals. Yeah. And I, I think that there is a movement of pet owners, you know, we've seen it over these years, thinking more about what's going into their pet's food, but not necessarily thinking about it from a nutritional standpoint, as much as yeah. an ingredient standpoint. Yeah. And I know that there's a lot of mistakes that people make, right? They, they see something on the internet, they make choices on their own. So what are some of the best dietary practices that you would recommend pet owners follow outside of, of course, taking their vet's advice sure. <laughs> and not, uh, not Googling it? Yeah. You know, I think, I think when you think about nutrition and what to feed, what to feed your pet, it really starts with some fairly common sense uh, things that you do not need a PhD in nutrition to understand. Uh, the first one being is that you know, if you're going to feed any animal, be it a dog, a cat, a person, what have you, food that is going to that is going to keep them as healthy as possible, then what you want to do is you want to put the nutrients into that animal that that body was designed specifically to thrive on. Right. I mean, so that's fairly obvious. Where did that nutrient profile come from? It, it all comes from what that particular animal evolved to eat. It's just biology. Like, you know, I mean, a person's nutritional profile, optimally speaking, has not changed in the last couple hundred thousand years um, because it took that long, you know, for it took millions of years for us to get there. So when we start looking at what is a proper evolutionary diet for a dog or a cat, you know, the one, you know, the, the, the things we can say are number one, every animal on the planet evolved eating a fresh whole food diet. None of us evolved eating highly processed foods. We all know intuitively that the more fresh food and the less processed food we eat, the healthier we tend to be. But then when you look at stuff like kibble or canned food, you cannot get away from the fact that that is by definition highly processed food. And it comes with all of the baggage that highly processed food does for people, except with our pets, we're asking them to eat that highly processed food every day for their entire life. Uh, and, you know, and then everybody scratches their head when problems occur later. So so really step one from a how do I optimally feed my pet is get them on a fresh whole food diet. Uh, what does that look like? It can look like 
food that you buy, um, you know, fresh frozen food, frozen cooked food, frozen raw food, freeze dried food. There's a lot of options out there. Another option uh, for people if they're so interested is they can make food at home. Uh, the the only caveat there is that you have to work off of a recipe that's properly balanced, so you know your pet's getting all the nutrition that they need. You can't just put meat and vegetables in a bowl and call it good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really that's really the place to start. And and you know, you know, we could talk all day about the various permutations of doing this, but I think the thing that people should remember is, ideally speaking, feed them a fresh whole food diet in a realistic sense. If for whatever reason, either financially or logistically, that's difficult to do, feed them as much balanced fresh food as you can, and then feed them the rest, that high quality kibble that you're you're feeding them anyway. It's not an all or nothing thing. The more fresh food they're eating, the healthier they tend to be. So just start with that. Hmm. No, that's great advice. And I know that you have a website, Ultimate Pet Nutrition and a brand, yeah. Ultimate mm-hmm. Pet Nutrition. So talk to me a little bit about that and, and where that came from and the goal that you have with this uh, brand. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, both Ultimate Pet Nutrition and and the books I've written have really come from the place of me trying to sort out the question of how do I help as many animals as I possibly can? Uh, you know, and it was a long time ago that I realized that there's going to be a very finite number of patients that I can see on any given day, um, which leaves an awful lot of animals out there that, you know, that may or may not be getting what they need. Um, so putting together uh, supplements and fresh whole foods with ultimate pet nutrition was a way for me to reach more pet owners to be able to get that appropriate fresh whole food nutrition into more pets. You know, the reason why I wrote books is so I can get this kind of information about integrative healthcare out to people who may not have access to a veterinarian that does that kind of stuff. So it's a function of being able to help as many animals as possible. Yeah. And also tell me a little bit more about your books, Longevity for Dogs and Longevity for Cats. Yeah, the new ones that are coming out at the end of next month, uh, August 28th, Longevity for Dogs and Longevity for Cats. It's a it's a look at the current state of longevity science and how it can be applied to animals. Um, So for people who may not be aware, longevity science is a very, very robust area of research on the human side. Um, Scientists are getting actually closer than ever to being able to understand sort of the biomechanics of why a body ages and how to sort of tinker with that so it does it more slowly or possibly not at all. Um, And you know what? All of that research that's being done is applicable in animals. Um, Some of it's more practical than others to implement right now. Uh, But the books really take a look at everything from simple stuff you can do at home, like optimizing nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle for your dog or your cat, moving into what kind of Western medical care is beneficial, to uh, to supplements, pharmaceuticals, regenerative medicine like stem cell therapy, hyperbaric oxygen and ozone therapy, uh, and really just the whole sort of A to Z as far as where we are with the science of longevity and how people can implement those strategies to help their dog or their cat live longer and happier. 
Yeah. And I definitely want that as a owner of a, as I like to say, pleasantly plump cat, (laughs) um, (laughs) knowing that his weight can impact his overall health. And of course his lifespan is something that I I do think about, especially as he's getting older now, he's 13. And so activity of course, for indoor cats is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having a dog who doesn't like to eat her food and a cat that loves to eat everything is also a little challenging. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm not the only person out there. So what are some of your pieces of advice for the pet owners at home that have some of those limitations, like indoor cat, uh-huh. there's going to be food around, you know, how do you recommend that people start to get their pets more active, living a more healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. that, you know, we can't necessarily say, go to the gym. (laughs) Oh, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And I think, I think exercise and lifestyle are really, really big parts of this whole longevity puzzle. Um, You know, you bring up indoor cats and granted, you know, the whole exercise things with indoor cats is, is challenging. That said, um, there is every reason why cats should be indoor only. Um, I am a very, very, very big proponent of strictly indoor cats. Uh, you know, and I think the trick with, in, you know, as far as getting these guys to exercises is, is you probably have to actively engage them in play uh, on a regular basis, you know, sort of scheduled out. So like five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever is appropriate for the animal, maybe a couple, three times a day, whether that's a like a feather toy or a laser pointer or getting them to sort of uh, you know, you can train these guys to hunt for treats. So, uh, you know, you can hide them in the house and have them look for them. There's a number of different ways to sort of get cats engaged. But yes, a strictly indoor cat can become a fairly sedentary creature. Um, <laughs> and that is when you have to be careful about how much they eat because they're just not burning a lot of calories. On the dog side, uh, you know, how much a dog needs to get out for exercise is quite variable depending on the breed of dog, uh, age, what have you. Um, But, you know, one of the reasons why there's been so many studies that have been done that show that like people with pets live longer than people with don't that don't have pets is part of it is if you have, if you have a dog, you're getting out and you're walking them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's the whole emotional component, which you certainly can't discount, but there's a physical activity part of it. Like getting out and walking your dog is a real big plus for everybody. Uh, And, and, you know, to your point, I think it's a good it's a good moment to mention how important it is that when people are deciding on what sort of pet to get, that they get a pet that works with their lifestyle. So if you're not a person that either by choice or by necessity can walk a dog for three or four hours a day, then maybe you don't want to get a super high energy dog. Uh, Maybe you want to get a dog that lives a little bit more of a sort of a slow paced lifestyle. Um, Conversely, if you're the kind of person that likes to get out and go hiking for six hours a day, then get one of those dogs. Um, And that's, you know, that's probably not a person that should be getting, say, a French bulldog because those dogs aren't going to go walk for six miles a day. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, having the right pet match to the right person is really, really important. Um, But again, you know, lifestyle and exercise is critical for all of us. And we do, we do need to think about that for our pets because at the end of the day, we we're really responsible, um, you know, for, for their health and longevity. And this is just, this is part of the arrangement. Yeah. I have to say when I got our dog, she's four years old. So we had her just pre pandemic. And one of the things 
as somebody even who has worked in this industry for so long, I mean, my whole career has been in vet med, but I never had an opportunity to own a dog because we've always lived in apartments. They were never allowed. And so I finally got my hands on one. And, <laughs> and I have to say that what has really been most impactful for me is the getting outside and the walking. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a relatively active person, but it's one of those things where if you asked me if I was getting out of my house twice a day before I had her in my life to go just for a walk and enjoy the outdoors and to be present, uh, no, the answer was 100% no. Every now and then, maybe my husband and I would be like, we should go for a walk. Yeah, but right. typically, that's just not what we were doing. And so not only has it transformed my physical life and just that level of activity that I get every single day, but also my mental health. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about mental health too, because I know just like people, animals also suffer from mental health challenges. And so what are some of those findings in veterinary research that support the pet's mental well-being, and how can pet owners support that? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's one of those things that is really sort of underappreciated, uh, you know, the importance of, of emotional and mental health for animals. Uh, and, you know, generally speaking, the only time it ever gets into the conversation is if the problem is severe enough that it's affecting the owner's life. Mm-hmm. So if their couch is getting chewed up, if the cat's peeing outside the box, et cetera. But, you know, I mean, if somebody's pet is, for lack of a better term, suffering in silence, you know, nobody, not only is nobody say anything, but oftentimes nobody knows, you know, so so again, it kind of comes back to creating an appropriate environment for any given animal. Uh, you know, needless to say, different animals have different personalities, just like people do. And, you know, some of them are very gregarious and really want to interact and be involved with everything. And others of them really need some quiet time. Uh, and that that kind of rolls back to the comment of before of you want to make sure that the pet you get is compatible with your lifestyle. Um, you know, if you have a dog that is a real sort of needy people dog and you work 14 hours a day and they're home alone, that's going to be a problem. Um, so, you know, you have to sort of think about, about these kind of things when you're sort of planning on bringing a, a pet in your life, or, you know, if you happen to have one of those dogs and you are working 14 hours a day, then maybe that's a good time to think about getting a dog walker to come and take your dog out for a nice long walk in the middle of the day. I mean, you have to, you have to consider, you know, what's going on with that. And, and, you know, I mean, other things that people need to understand is, is, you know, our, our mental emotional state as humans is directly impactful to what's going on with our pets, you know, and if, and if you think anybody that thinks it's not the case is, is, is kidding themselves. Um, animals are very, very in tune with what's going on with their people and in their house. I mean, and for example, if you live in a house, uh, with, for example, a somewhat tumultuous relationship and there's arguments and yelling or, or there's like a lot of kids in the house and there's a lot of chaos that is going to have an impact on dogs and cats. I mean, yeah, it may be that your average golden retriever can live with that kind of chaos, but a lot of animals can't. Um, so, uh, you know, it's no mystery to medicine that, you know, that stress leads to ele- elevated cortisol levels, which leads to all kinds of problems in the long-term sense. And the same is true for dogs and cats. So again, it's not, it's not that your dog or your cat can't ever have a bad day. I mean, we all have bad days. This is, this is more about 
what is happening every day, the days between, if you will. Um, and that's that's the thing I think that people, again, really need to really need to think about is, you know, are you creating an ideal environment, you know, not only for your pet, but I mean, let's be honest for yourself. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, their longevity and our longevity is 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 somewhat linked. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and if you know how to take care of your pet better, you're going to know how to take care of yourself better and vice versa. Absolutely. The amount of effort and time and money I put into my pet's <laughs> mental health and well-being uh, is obscene. And my goal is to match it for myself because it's true. It's easy to give sometimes to our pets. And I understand not everyone feels as strongly about that as maybe I do. Um, but as I witnessed, I had a handyman over the other day. And as he had to move some things, he literally had to pick up in one space four different pet beds just to be able to get to the room. And I was like, well, we know where our where our priorities lie. Of course. Of um, course. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, do you, do you need a pet bed? Yeah, right. um, but you're you touched on something really important. Like their their mental health and our mental health are definitely linked. And one of the big times that I think that we see it, of course, are visits to the vet, where Mm -hmm. it could be very stressful for the pet. It can definitely be very stressful for the owner, sometimes for the same reason, sometimes for different reasons, right? I know, um, I think my cat and I are both equally as stressed when we go to the vet for his visits. It's a little different for me and my dog, but I know he's stressed, which makes me stressed. And I am sort of feeding off of his energy in those visits. And so the mental health of your owners, right, as they come into your practice is also playing a part in what's happening in your exam room, right? I'm connected to my pet. They're stressed. I'm stressed. So how do you and your team at Holistic Veterinary Care, um, and I know you have another practice as well, how do you how do you guys take that all into account, knowing what you all know about this interconnectedness and uh, just general mental health and well-being of, of animals and their owners? What does that look like in your overall treatment journey? Yeah, I mean, so from a day-to-day perspective in the office, it's really about creating as low a stress environment as possible, um, you know, with, with, within the office. And, and some of that is, some of that's a function of decor and space. Um, some of it's a function of, of flow. Uh, so what I mean by that is, you know, at my office, we don't generally run the kind of pace of, of appointments that a lot of, a lot of practices do. Uh, so for example, in my office, um, any new patient that's coming in, um, that appointment's going to be an hour long. Um, so that does a number of things. That means that we're not in a hurry, which means, you know, I can walk in the room and I can start chatting with the owner and just let the dog or the cat sit there and just get accustomed to the fact that I'm in the room. And that and that there's just a calm conversation happening and it's not I walk in the room and immediately grab the animal and start doing things. So, you know, we can take it slow. They can be a little bit more relaxed. You know, the owner can be a little bit more relaxed because it's not a big hurried thing. Um, You know, I think that the, the medical paradigm in general has become a very sort of rush, rush, rush kind of thing. Um, See as many things as possible. And, and I certainly understand the benefit of seeing more patients. Um, but you know, if we're going to look at it from what is, what is the benefit to any one individual patient or their owner, a little bit slower, generally speaking is better. 
Um, and, you know, we just generally work on keeping the office a little bit quieter. Uh, you know, it's not it's not quite so chaotic. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, you know, it's a lot better. And and it's it is very gratifying when we see, uh, you know, I see somebody coming down the street and their dog is literally pulling them at the end of the leash to get into the office, which right. is just not something that you see very frequently at a veterinary <laughs> hospital. That is very rewarding. That is true. Um, and, you know, thinking of about now just patients in general and patient care. Talk to me about maybe a an example of a patient that's come through your practice that you've had an opportunity to maybe work with for a long time, tried some of these integrative therapies. Just share with me one of those sort of success stories, if you will. I'll give you a great one because it literally just happened last week. So um, We've been seeing this dog, uh, this little dachshund, for probably the past eight months or so. Um, when they brought the the owners brought the dog in, the dog had had blown a disc in its back about a year before, um, and the dog was completely completely paralyzed in the back end. Um, you know, almost almost no movement whatsoever. Certainly not able to stand. Um, uh, very very little sensation in the in the feet. Um, I had a long conversation with them, you know, basically to the extent of this neurologic damage is permanent. It's very unlikely that this dog is ever going to get up and walk again. Um, however, uh, you know, we're going to start acupuncture and laser therapy and physical therapy. And let's see, let's see where we get. Um I was sitting in my office last week, I think it was Thursday, and somebody in the rehab staff came and and said, I want you to see something. And they brought me in back to the rehab floor and the dog was walking. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I've been doing this for a long time and it's still, it still hits you. Like, like, honestly, like I didn't think that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I give all the credit in the world to my rehab staff who's been working with that dog every week for the past eight months. Um, but I mean, those are the things that, I mean, like that should not happen, you know, in, in, in so many ways. And, under most other circumstances, that never would have happened. Um, but when you give these guys the opportunity and the right tools, a lot of times they'll find a way to make it happen. That's incredible. And it just look, takes patience. It takes commitment. And yep. I'm sure the owners were doing all the right things at home. I mean, just like us, I've been to physical therapy before and, you know, you got to do the work. And, yeah. and when you have everyone on board and the pet has a team right? That everybody wants the same outcome. It really makes all the difference, which is great. So I wanted to ask just a couple more questions as we wrap up here. For pet owners, what is one piece of advice that you could give a pet owner today if they wanted to make one simple change in their pet's life? Well, I mean, we already talked about it a little bit, but the the single biggest impact you can make is, is get your pet on a fresh whole food diet. Um, and the other thing that I would say that will make a difference in, in, in everybody's life in that sense is take a personalized approach to their healthcare. Um, you know, I mean, just because it says on the calendar that they're due for some vaccine or some flea and tick, whatever, um, it doesn't by definition mean that that needs to be done. Yeah. You really have to think about like, is it the appropriate thing to do for this individual at this time? Uh, you know, medicine likes to be very reductive and turn everything into, well, it's on the calendar, so we have to do it. Um, but it's not that way. Um, Mm. so, you know, asking the right questions, um, respectfully of one's veterinarian is, is a really great way to start to take a more proactive role. That's great. 
And my other question similarly is going to be for new grads. There's a lot of veterinarians always coming out of vet school. What kind of advice do you have for someone who's really just getting their feet wet in vet med and starting off as a new doctor? Wow. Uh, there are so many things. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think the advice that I would, that I would most like to give say a new grad is your education process has just started. Mm. You know, I mean, you, you get, you get a great foundation of medicine in veterinary school. Um, I think my veterinary education was spectacular. That said, there's a, there's only so much that they can teach you in that four years. Um, and you know, there's a reason why they call it medical practice, you know, like you're, you're never done. You never know all of it. Um, and the more, you know, the more you don't know. Um, and it's a journey and, and there's a real joy in being a lifelong learner, uh, especially when the rewards are what they are from a, from a medical practice perspective. So, you know, just the advice I would give people is keep pushing, keep looking for new information. That's fantastic. And I appreciate you coming on today and giving us all some fresh perspective and some new information right here. I am personally looking forward to your books coming out because like I said, I am signed up for having my pets live forever. When we got my cat, I said to him, I'm like, I'm expecting at least 20 years from you. There you go. You, you, you put in your order early. That's a good plan. That's right. I said, this is what's happening. So just plan to stick around for quite some time. There you go. Um, so I so appreciate you and all of the education you've given us today. And of course, everything that you're doing in practice and in our veterinary community to help pets live long, healthy lives. So thank you so much, Dr. Richter, for being here. We're so appreciative. It is my pleasure. Thank you. How great was that? I had such a wonderful time talking with Dr. Richter about holistic and regenerative medicine. And I don't know about you, but I can really get behind having my pets live longer, happier, healthier lives. Now, like I mentioned, Dr. Richter would like to provide a promo code just for our listeners. So if you do choose to purchase anything from the Ultimate Pet Nutrition website, please use his discount code PETHEALTH40 for 40% off your purchase. And I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of the Vet Med Mind, and we'll see you next time.